Hello and welcome to the 520th episode of the End Zone Podcast. Uh, you know, a weird way to open. Uh, joining us, first of all, my guest and a new friend of the show, back now for the second time, Mason. Uh, I- I'm not even going to attempt the last name, uh, but we'll just call you Mason B. Welcome, welcome to the show, my man. And uh, I, you know, I, I, I appreciate you jumping back on bradford had some family stuff he had to attend to tonight so we'll we'll get him back on maybe next week but mason welcome to the 520th episode i will just make a quick housekeeping note here that this is episode 520 tomorrow episode 521 will come out it'll be our quarterback ranking episode we recorded that last night was a ton of fun please go check that out runs about an hour and a half there's going to be a lot of content to get through this week. NFC East and NFC North podcasts. I put those up on Monday and this morning, respective, respect, eh, respectively. So there are, there's just a lot of content to get through. And uh, I will be gone most of the rest of the week. And we will be back hopefully next week with a more regular episode schedule with probably one or two and not four. But uh, this week it just ended up I had some in the back burner and I knew that I was going to be gone so I just wanted to line those up and thank you if you are one of our you know about 45 listeners thank you for listening to 520 episodes of this podcast a lot of you have joined along the way uh, it has been a fun time I started this originally because I wanted to you know, get a job in sports media and, you know, this would be a good place to be a resume, but about a hundred episodes in, I abandoned that entirely and just decided, oh, I just have more fun talking to random internet strangers on online about football than I do becoming some kind of viral superstar. So thank you to our small podcast audience for listening and making this show um, awesome. I won't lie to you, even if you didn't listen, I would probably keep making podcasts because it's, it's you know, I like talking and, and it's it's a fun hobby to have. But without further ado, I'm going to stop talking. Mason, how are you? Thank you for letting me sit through my soliloquy. 520 episodes. What, what you know, what is the most notable thing you think you have done 520 <laughs> times? I'm sure there's plenty. Wow. Oh, that. That would be a tough question to answer. 520 things. Um, I mean, I guess I have a kid, so I guess putting them to bed would probably be, you know, up there on the list that I should mention. Um, I definitely haven't sat through 520 Bills wins, so I can't, unfortunately, use that as an example. But, dude, congratulations on making it to 520. That's excellent. In six years, also absolutely excellent. Uh, I, I had a quick couple of thoughts on things that didn't last six years, just, you know, so you knew. Uh, the Futurama run, the very first one that they did, did not last six full years. You know, there's that. Um, I don't believe Kanye West and Kim Kardashian's marriage lasted six years. So wow, lasted longer than that, I think. My kid, also not six years old. So technically, you're a better podcaster than I'm a father. So, you know, congratulations on all of wow. those things that you're beating right now. I don't know if I'd take that last one, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, but those are some great comparisons. I appreciate you bringing some context to the to the show, Mason. Uh, but we have just so much to get to. Uh, th- this podcast was originally going to be the standalone one this week because there is just a lot of training camp news, contract extensions, suspensions, 
loss of draft picks, terrible Broncos injuries, uh, all kinds of things. So this is going to be a news-heavy podcast, and then we're going to talk about some fringe stars that could have big years in 2022. And uh, this is going to be mostly offensive players because, you know, I'm not, you know, me and, you know, I don't want to diss on Mason or myself, but I would say we have a much better grasp of fantasy level players than we do like offensive linemen and, and defensive players. So I think we're going to stick mostly with wide receivers, tight ends and running backs. Uh, but we're going to talk about players that basically aren't top five or top 10. If you're a wide receiver at your position, uh, then who will have big years in 2022? I think that'll be a lot of fun to chat about, but let's just get right into it. Let's talk about the unpleasant stuff first. Uh, an independent arbiter and judge on Monday, I believe, found Deshaun Watson should be suspended from the NFL for six games. Now, this is complicated. Because this is not the final ruling. And and I'm stealing basically everything I know from our beloved Around the NFL podcast, which I've, I've listened to a few times to make sure I get the gist of this. The NFL can step in and appeal this. And Roger Goodell can step in and say, nope, you're suspended for a year. That can happen within the next, well, two days left now for that to yeah. happen. So keep an eye out on that. But... There is also the op- the chance that the NFL doesn't step in, and this is the punishment Watson gets, a six-game suspension. Mason, your, you know, your first thoughts, this has obviously been a very unpleasant off-season storyline that probably a person who just wanted to hop on a podcast and get into talking about NFL football as a hobby does not want to chat about on their second time on the end zone podcast, but it is unfortunately in the news cycle and something we must address. Yeah. You know, it is unfortunate. It decided it was going to happen now, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, first thoughts for me was it's, you know, not awesome optics for the NFL in general, considering, you know, what we're going to talk about later, Stephen Ross gets effectively the same suspension as Deshaun Watson for talking to some people inappropriately. Um, but you know, it's, I, I, I gotta say, I agree with uh 60% G Greg there on, on how he thinks like the media has handled everything. And I don't know that I put necessarily the onus on like, you know, ESPN, NFL, all of them, because they are sports shows, they're sports networks. They're, they're there to try to entertain people. And like, they do bring up, you know, the nasty side of it, but they're being paid to talk about the football side of it and it's uncomfortable and it sucks. But, you know, a lot of them are just trying to do their job and get on. And uh, I think the failure mostly came from, like, the national media. I mean, look at how they handled Colin Kaepernick. I mean, it was a news cycle every single week until the dude practically got blackballed from the NFL. And yet, I mean, he just got all of this handled. And from my understanding, most people who don't watch football don't even know this is happening. So it's just like totally left in the dark about something that feels pretty egregious and heavy that should really be brought up, you know, on the national level. And I mean, uh, well, I understand 
you know, the, 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 the legality of it, I guess, to a degree and how, you know, you, you're, you come to these decisions through, you know, what, what's already written down and the rules that are in place. Um, Mina Kimes on Twitter made a, a really excellent point. And it's like, if these weren't found out altogether, like, what does this look like anymore? If this was two and three got found out and he gets that six month suspension now, six through 10, it's like, but now we're lumping all of these people together into this one punishment that only fits into six games. Like, it's 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 not a great look, but you know it's what the NFL does, unfortunately. And I think at the end of the day, they're probably going to move on from this, like they've moved on from almost anything else. And I mean, just from looking at some of the video we've seen at training camp and stuff like that, as long as he comes in and he starts winning and these guys do well, within a year or two, so much of this just is going to get put on the back burner, and we're all going to forget about it. And it freaking sucks. It does. It just it you know. Unless the video came out, you know, that's how Ray Rice got torpedoed. So, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that this is sort of the way it's going to go. If I had to guess, I would guess Roger Goodell does not step in. I know it would be like heroic of him to do so, and he could really cement his legacy as a commissioner if he did. But the NFL does one thing really well, and that is print money. They print money really, really, really well. And the way they print money is by providing, quite frankly, some of the best sporting experiences and on-field product that any sports league in the world puts out there. And Deshaun Watson is a superstar quarterback. And if you keep Deshaun Watson out for an entire year, that is going to take money out of the pockets of the Cleveland Browns and of the league. And so money makes the world go round. It's unfortunate that you're going to let a sexual predator just be out there and, and ball out for the second half of the year. And a lot of people will forget that Deshaun Watson is a terrible dude who, you know, by the way, settled most of these lawsuits. It's not often that an innocent person, I point out, settles. That is not something that typically happens if you are innocent in civil lawsuits. You, you know, as a I person... I you say so, like, at this level where you've denied it for, like, this long, and then you're just like, let's be done with this and settle. Like, usually that's the person who sticks to their guns. I'm with you there. Hold yeah, on. like, as a guy that took two semesters of law classes... I, you know, civil lawsuits are interesting. It's usually just because if a civil lawsuit gets settled, it's usually because there was some amount of wrongdoing. So, you know, people can come at us and, and me and say, oh, this is all alleged. How can you say any of this? Well, and no, it's pretty much when you settle, you kind of admit like, yeah, there was definitely something shady going on. So it sucks that we are going to have, you know, I guess, well, you know. Read the, read the document she put out, man. It literally says that he was guilty. He committed sexual assault. That's what she put in her words in the document. Like, yep. yeah, you don't I, want to trust her on it. I don't know where else you want to go about this. I mean, I, she even put in a clause that he has to go to team massage therapists or whatever from now on. Like, he can't even get his own anymore. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a, a sad story all around and one that may change over the next two days, but I would kind of doubt it. Uh, the Browns schedule, by the way, 
as we move to the on-field ramifications of this, as this story kind of wraps up off the field, is imminently survivable, I would say. Uh, the first seven game, the first six games of the Browns' schedule are really an absolute joke, to be completely honest with you. They play the Panthers, the Jets, the Steelers, the Falcons, the Chargers, and the Patriots. Really, the only game there that I think is a for sure loss is the Chargers. Like, they could very much, with Jacoby Brissett, get through that stint three and three, and then Deshaun Watson, conveniently, and this is where I think the NFL is doing some home cooking with this verdict, even though they can say they go to independent arbiters. Here are a few matchups that if the six-game suspension held, Deshaun Watson would be back for. He would be back for Deshaun Watson versus Lamar Jackson versus the Ravens. Deshaun Watson versus Joe Burrow against the Bengals. Deshaun Watson against Tua Tagovailoa against the Dolphins. Deshaun Watson against Josh Allen. Deshaun Watson against Tom Brady. Deshaun Watson against Joe Burrow again. Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson again. Every important game that the Cleveland Browns have would have Deshaun Watson back in it. I'm a conspiracy theory guy. I don't work for the NFL, so I'll just say it. There's no way the NFL didn't step in and tell this judge, hey, you got to like work, like take the schedule into account here. Because the fact he's only missing one premier quarterback matchup is very fishy to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I I don't think they're going to appeal it for the reason, too, that, like, Cleveland Brown already shot their shot, or the NFLPA already shot their shot with it being like, hey, look, whatever she decides, we're not going to appeal it. And now it kind of really puts the onus on Roger Goodell and the NFL to be like, do you want to just move on from this, or do you want to drag this out more? Because we're just going to point the finger at you that you're the one who wants to do it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, if the six-game suspension holds, you know, the Browns are very much in the mix as a playoff team. But it's just unfortunate. Moving on to another story the NFL wants to move on from. The Dolphins lost a draft pick, a first-rounder, and a third-rounder uh, for tampering, more or less. Uh, this was a little bit confusing to me, but I did some reading on it earlier today. Basically, they tampered with Tom Brady. They probably tampered with Sean Payton, and that's what is being suspended. It was found that there was never any real money that exchanged hands to tank. That was made as some sort of jest, apparently. Although, I would still say, if you're joking about that, and you say, I want to prioritize the draft, like you're still kind of tanking purposefully. And so Stephen Ross will be suspended until Deshaun Watson gets back about six weeks and the Dolphins lose some picks. This puts the Dolphins in a precarious situation, though, because this is the year that they're trying to figure out whether two is the guy. And the thought was, if he was not the guy, they would have quite a bit of capital to move around to get a guy that was a surefire quarterback. And that is just not the case anymore. They have lost a valuable asset, and it seems as if the Dolphins are stuck with Tua for at least a year or two. Yeah, I mean, 
it's it's definitely uh, a more entertaining black eye that the NFL is taking on this one. Uh, like the tampering and the Tom Brady stuff. And, and, and I think the most entertaining part of this, uh, I was over on the Dolphins Reddit for a little Sean and Freuda. And uh, like the guys that they name in the article as like the biggest like contributors to the tampering, none of them are taking suspensions. They're all still there working. And apparently, I can't remember his name, but the one guy who's like the, the liaison between the two, apparently he's somehow in line to buy the team when Steven Ross decides he wants to step away too. So, I mean, this is all just feels like farce. It's, well, we didn't like the tampering, so we're going to just have this fun little side attitude about it and, and get rid of you while we let Dan Snyder flaunt his nose at the law and do whatever he likes. So bit entertaining theater as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the, the loss of picks, man, that's got to be tough. Again, because if Tua doesn't pan out this year, if it if getting him Tyreek doesn't seem to get him over that hump that lets them push their way into the playoffs and actually get like a win there, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow for a couple of years while you try to build your capital back up. I guess I got the 49ers first round pick to hope for, but I mean, you know, Trey Lance, I think might have a pretty good year. So that might be tough for them. Yeah. The Dolphins are just in a tough spot. You really have to hope Tua looks good, which, you know, out of training camp, uh, you know, how much hype do you buy into training camp hype? But the reports are that he's looking good. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, the Dolphins are certainly one of the most fascinating teams in the NFL this year. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue around them, but not, you know, the onus on them is to win. And, and you know, it's on Mike McDaniels too, because he now doesn't have a way to really build up a roster. So he's got to figure out a way to win with what he has this year and use this as a galvanizing kind of rally cry because no one's going to care about a first round draft pick if you're in the playoffs no one will care about a first round draft pick if you make the playoffs you can spend that money you can spend free agency money and pick up a player that's going to help you get further the year after and and keep your good players that got you to the playoffs then but it it, it really is a must you know they do they have to get to the playoffs for this to be considered a successful season at this point because if they don't they don't really have anything to fall back on so that's uh that that is the dolphins news uh bad news for me as you know as often befalls me uh my uh it seems as if uh and mason i don't know if you agree or much or not i don't know how much you pay attention to broncos injury news but i know enough about this one man i am so sorry i, I feel like the broncos over the past three years have had some of the worst training camp off-season injury luck like just in general Bradley Chubb has never really been able to stay healthy Von Miller has had health issues and in training camp he tore his ACL in training camp a few years ago and now Tim Patrick arguably the best receiver on the team last year tears his ACL out for the season this one's tough, and uh, it really hurts for Bronca's chances going forward, I feel. Yeah, man. I mean, when you lose a receiver of that caliber for the year now, I mean, that's I had seen just before we got on here confirmation of the MRI being a full ACL tear. So that's, that's just tragic, man. I mean, losing somebody in training camp is – it's just the worst because it just it feels you know so meaningless and it kind of just makes you want to like pack the whole thing up and just wait 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim Patrick then- was the best receiver on the Broncos last year. There's no question about it. Uh, put up the best numbers, looked the best, was a real game changer when Teddy Bridgewater was playing, uh, had really good numbers, and got a big contract this offseason, which good for him, got paid. Uh, so there, there's that for him. But, yeah, it just sucks. And, you know, we, we talk about fringe stars making a big leap later in the episode, but – you look at a guy like Jerry Judy now, a guy who has not produced huge numbers over the first few years of his career for where he was drafted. He really has to step up now. This puts real onus on KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy to be big time contributors in the offense because the reality for the Broncos is this as, as I, you know, pull up the, the roster here. Uh, this is something I, I've kind of been concerned about. The wide receiver depth is not good. Yeah, it's just it, it's just not that good. It's Cortland Sutton, it's Jerry Judy, uh Montrell Washington, a player who they drafted. He could see some serious time now. Um Kendall Hinton, one time quarterback. Uh he could see some more time. Travis Fulgham, like after Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and KJ Hamler, there is not much left. So those three guys have got to stay healthy or the Broncos are going to have some weapons issues with uh, Russell Wilson finally getting into town and taking the helm. And, uh, you know, I don't know if at this point in his career, Russell Wilson can elevate no-name wide receivers to where they need to be to win games. That's not something I'm confident Russell Wilson has the ability to do. I do think he needs good players around him to succeed. I think in bad situations, Russell Wilson is not a top 10 quarterback. I think the situation has to be good. And the situation got a little bit worse with Tim Patrick. Now, does that mean I think the Broncos are going to have a losing record? No, uh, I, I don't think so. I think for the first time in like five years, they will have a winning record. That's the only thing I'm confident about at this point. But I'm a little bit nervous now because they play in an extremely tough division. And this could be the difference between being 10 wins and 11 wins. And that could keep you in or out of the playoffs because you would imagine the Raiders will probably get 11 wins with the talent they have on their roster. Yeah, I mean, the one excuse I would have, you know, given you guys is that, you know, Russell Wilson does have a history of of making games work with not the greatest wide receivers. I mean, he won the Super Bowl with Doug Baldwin and Golden Tate. Doug Baldwin was great, man. I don't know what you're talking about there. Doug Baldwin was a great NFL wide receiver. Dude, that year, though, he had 50 catches for less than 800 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, he wasn't doing great that particular year. And, and, you know, then Tyler Lockett, good wide receiver. But, you know, I think him and the Russell Wilson pairing is what made him. But, I, you know, you do have a good point. He's nearing – you know, the later bits of his career, maybe the end of it, who knows anymore. Tom Brady is making age feel so irrelevant at this point. Um, but, you know, he might not have it in him to, to definitely elevate those people. But, you know, I, I think, you know, you got a good point, though, that, that you've got a pretty strong team 
otherwise at least you know to make some waves within the conference itself but you know the division is an absolute nightmare yes that one hurt that's one of the training camp injuries to get to before we get to our our last point here some other training camp injuries jamal jamal adams possibly missing some time with a hand injury that could really hurt Seattle's secondary, which without Jamal Adams is extremely thin. Alec Jensen's slated to miss significant time. I'm not sure. I, I haven't seen much official reporting on that yet. Have you? Okay, I saw season ending, but whether or not that was official, I can't really remember. I don't remember where exactly I saw it. But, I mean, between significant and season ending, I got to imagine it's probably somewhere in the between. And so that's going to be a really tough one to come back from i mean you know brady everybody always talks about every quarterback doesn't like you know a, a messy pocket but as brady get older is he going to have the the ability to evade the rush that's coming dead center if they can't get a guy in there who's able to actually stop anything from happening like that's going to be pretty hard uh the jamal adams thing i think i saw a report just before i came here from the seattle times that he's back at practice and actually doing it he's got a cast on the hand not going to require surgery. If he does have it, going to wait till the end of the season. Uh, just going to be casted up for pretty much the whole year. And considering Jamal Adams is mostly a liability in coverage, I can't imagine missing a hand is really a big deal. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what ends up happening with with Jamal Adams. But that is good news. I I hadn't seen that development. Chase Young. Uh, potentially out week one. Also, Ryan Kerrigan retires there. So the pass rush, which is good in Washington, looks a little bit thinner now. But Chase Young, it seems like there's been some complications after his knee injury last year. Yeah, I don't know if he it, – it never seemed like maybe he was healthy or not. I mean, I didn't watch, like, a ton of their games, but, I mean, I, I know what happened in the Buffalo game against them, and I know how most of the season it was just constantly, like, where's this pass rush? Like, this is supposed to be the team that has, like, this vaunted front four that can just absolutely destroy your offensive line, and no one's getting home. Like, where are all of them? And if Chase Young had been dealing with a nagging injury for most of the year and hasn't had that burst and that get-off, I mean, if he's out of the game, well, what does the team have to do anymore to, to deal? They've got three guys now, and so they can make those adjustments and, and, and take that out of it when you know a guy's not participating at 100%. Yeah, it's – just really interesting to see how that defense – shapes up this year because the secondary looks kind of weak and, and was an issue for them last season and you're right the pass rush never really fully came together last year so it, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out final little piece of news panthers quarterback battle um matt corral getting a little bit of hype from the coaching staff and from media members down there uh, I still think Baker Mayfield's probably the starter, but what do you think the chances are that we see Matt Corral play at some point this year? So from the little bits of reports I saw of like, you know, training camp, obviously how, you know, how much all this means, but like, it looks like Baker's kind of doing some of those Baker things he used to do in Cleveland that would, you know, make people scratch their heads. Those little interceptions he would throw when he got a little uncomfortable that where it's just like, don't, he's just lofting the ball up and hoping somebody's going to get under it. And it's not usually one of his receivers. Um, so man, I don't know if he keeps that up, there's a pretty good chance that, you know, wins there by let's find see that real quick. I, I, I got to imagine that if it's late enough, 
uh, that that they might, you know, want to just get him ready so that he can take that long break and uh, get himself ready for the next game that they have after it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a that I would agree with that assessment. I, mean, I, I do think there's I like Baker Mayfield, but I do think there's a chance that if things go sideways a little early, I think it's much more likely they go to Matt Corral than it is they go to Sam Darnold. Uh, I, I'd be sort of surprised if Sam Darnold sees much playing time at all this year, but they can't really cut him because of his contract, unfortunately. Looks like a pretty late buy right at the end of November there. So he'd get a nice long week into Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. That'll be I mean, something that's... to keep something to keep an eye on. But uh, and then yeah, it's, just... and then it's Pittsburgh Steelers, Detroit Lions. I mean, that's a pretty comfortable landing spot for a rookie to hit for three games. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a pretty nasty defense. I'm not gonna, you know, crap on them for that, but you know, you might not be having to keep up with them points wise so hard. Absolutely. All right. Last but not least, before we get to our little game here, uh, DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel both get paid. I never really know what to say with contracts on this podcast, to be honest, Mason. I usually just say that's a pretty good deal because I'm never going to be like, Oh no, they definitely didn't deserve that money. Like if you if you play in the NFL, if you put your body on the line, like you deserve to get paid big dollars. And you know, I, I'm never gonna be a person that gets mad at contract sizes or anything like that. So I'm just gonna say, congrats, DK Metcalf and Debo Samuels. Good job, Seahawks and 49ers for keeping them locked in. Makes it easier for Seattle to rebuild because if you draft a quarterback next year, they immediately have a DK Metcalf to throw to, which is cool. And uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to have good wide receiving talent in today's NFL and both these teams now have it. So congrats to both those players. I do not have much more to say than that. No, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm with you on the, the whole money thing. I mean, when there's dudes making billions of dollars off of this, every million dollars somebody makes is well-deserved or your money i'm totally happy for you uh the only real thing is like you know four dudes got locked up for effectively the same price you know aj brown made the nice point on twitter of like well i'm the only dude who got traded over it so like maybe i'm not the one who wanted out of tennessee i thought that was a little revealing that maybe tennessee just was you know trying to lowball him or didn't even want his services anymore which seems a little weird considering how good he's been um but it really does, I think, show the hand of a lot of uh, NFL front offices, too, that it's like, you know, it's not just get that great quarterback anymore. It's get the great quarterback, get the great receiver, pair them together, and then just pass until neither of them can stand up anymore. Because it, it feels like the whole league just wants to pass the ball all over the place. There's maybe one or two teams that make that shift where they like to run it. But outside of that, man, everyone's airing it out as best they can. So... It's not surprising they get the money, and on top of it, as far as it seems like I can tell from the little bit that I do know about how some of the salary cap works, it's all freaking funny money, man. As long as you have a good GM who knows what they're doing, like none of it actually matters. You can displace money in so many different weird little ways with incentives and with bonuses and with all of this stuff that the cap number barely actually matters to a good GM and an owner who 
who wants to spend the money. Yep. I would totally agree with that analysis. The salary cap is a myth. So with yep, that total myth, absolute myth. With with that, we can move on to the fun portion of the day, which is talking about some fringe stars that will have a big year in 2022. Uh, you know, an example of this from last year, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was people kind of forget. Not always what he was last year. He was kind of, he, he produced a good amount, but he was kind of on the outside looking in. Who, but who are some players this year, Mason? And I'll let you go first. Uh, that you think could make a big jump and become kind of superstars going into next season? Well, for the first one, uh, I'm going to go a little off on you and I'm going to select three people, just the, the Green Bay wide receiver core. I think Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard can be an extremely good and serviceable passing attack for Aaron Rodgers to use. I think that, uh, th- that they're going to be a lot better than maybe people think they are. I mean, you've got the two-time running MVP throwing to them right now, and I know everybody's wringing their hand about the Dante Adams jumping over to the Raiders, but I think at the end of the day, we're going to see – some pretty amazing work. And I mean, Randall Cobb, I know, is getting a little bit older, but I think Sammy Watkins could genuinely end up being an absolute stud as long as he can stay on the field. That has been his longest bugaboo at this point is just taking injuries and not being there the whole season. If he can stay out there the whole season, I mean, he could easily put up a 1,000 yards and 8 to 10 touchdowns. It's, it's. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities for him. Yeah, Sammy Watkins is not a guy I've thought about much in that wide receiving core. I really do think they're going to give more playing time to Amari Rodgers just because they drafted him last year and they want to give time to the young guys. But Alan Lazard was on my list. I think Alan Lazard's a really good wide receiver uh, who, honestly, the reason he didn't get much more play in Green Bay was, well, Devontae Adams was there and you're going to throw the ball to Devontae Adams. But Aaron Rodgers is the kind of quarterback that you know, when Randall Cobb was there, loved to lock in with one wide receiver and really hook up that wide receiver. And I feel like Alan Lazard has been with him a long enough time now where next year he's really going to put a lot of trust in Alan Lazard. And Alan Lazard, like if you're playing fantasy football this year, I think is a he's a guy to get in like the later rounds where I think he could be a big point producer this year because I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball to him a lot. I, I definitely think you're right about that. I think we saw it towards the end of the year that trust just really built up and he would just, there'd be a lot of situations where he would just give them the ball where it was pretty important that the, the you know, they came down with the play. And so that just shows you how much he cares about that connection with him. I'm going to go with someone in Pittsburgh you know, I've been kind of bullish on the Steelers all offseason. I'm picking them to finish fourth in the division, but my strategy here, Mason, is to hype up the roster, still pick them to finish fourth, though, and then look stupid and be unsurprised when in December they have eight wins and they're, like, competing for the division. That's That's sort of my strategy with the Steelers. But I think Kenny Pickett's going to be the starter there. And I think Chase Claypool is a guy that could really have a big year there. 
I know there was that podcast earlier this offseason where he jumped on and he was like, yeah, I think I can be a top three wide receiver in the NFL. And a lot of people kind of laughed and clowned him for that. I totally disagree. I, I agree with Chase Claypool. Like he has the body of an X wide receiver. He's got really good body balance along this sideline. He can play in the slot a little bit. He played in the slot quite a bit last year. He, he's got good hands. He's got a great vertical. He's just got all the tools of a big time wide receiver and I think he was held back last year by a quarterback that couldn't throw the ball downfield very accurately. And I think with Kenny Pickett as the quarterback, I think there's going to be opportunities for him. And, you know, I'll throw in Deontay Johnson as well, I guess. But I think Chase Claypool is really going to be the benefactor. And I think he's going to have a big year this year. I, I'm a huge fan of Chase Claypool going into this year. Last year, he had... 800 yards on 59 receptions, 860 yards. He averaged about 14 yards a catch. That's really, really good. I think with Kenny Pickett and being fed the ball more consistently, he can put up a thousand yard season easily. He didn't have great touchdown numbers last year, but I, I believe he can be part of the reason that the Steelers really effectively move the ball next year. Yeah, I uh, I definitely, you know, I got to see him a couple of times while he played and when he, you know, caught the ball, like his high point really was always excellent. And, and the way he could catch the ball away from his frame in, in such like a sure, consistent manner always felt just like really powerful and, and like a little bit dangerous. I know when you know, they played the Bills, especially like it, he was always the guy that I was definitely worried about because he just his his frame and his wingspan is just so massive. Like you said, even with an inaccurate quarterback, like he is still making plays and he is still getting things done. Uh, so you think Kenny Pickett's going to win the starting job then? Uh, or do you just think he's going to be shifted in towards the middle of the season there? No, I think Kenny Pickett wins the job. Like, yeah. I, I, I get that everyone, you and Bradford both, went on the quarterback show yesterday, he was fascinated with Mitch Trubisky as well. You know, hey, look, man, the MVP was on my team last year, buddy. Like, like, he was like I get it. He had, a nice, he, he had some nice preseason wins in Buffalo. Yeah, he did. But, but like, still, he's Mitch no, Trubisky. And, I have honestly no idea which way it would go. So I don't and I, I just, that. I just feel like, I just feel like Mitch Trubisky is Mitch Trubisky, and I'm, until Mitch Trubisky proves to me that he's a new Mitch Trubisky and not the old Mitch Trubisky, which I still believe he's the old Mitch Trubisky, I'm gonna, you know, give, you know, the upside to the guy you drafted in the first round. Literally the only quarterback taken in the first round, and to the point where the Steelers at twenty, NFL. Intel is good enough to tell you they knew that he was probably not going to get taken in the first round by another team, probably. And yet they still went out and invested a first round pick in him. You do not invest a first round pick into a quarterback that's the only quarterback taken in the first round to sit him more than two or three weeks of the season. By week four, he will be the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no Patrick doubt. Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes would like a word with you about that. Yeah, but there's no, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, Patrick I mean, Mahomes I mean, had, 
Hey, Alex, who knows? Trubisky could be their Alex Smith, man. He could get done just serviceably enough to get him to nine wins. Listen, as a Utah fan, I'm insulted that you just compared Alex Smith to Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Alex Smith is like three times the quarterback, the quarterback Mitch Trubisky will ever be. Like, come on now. Let's, no, let's you're not, you're not wrong about that. He, he absolutely was. But, I mean, again, you never know, though. It, it could be a nice sitting experience where they get to just let him ride a year, let Mitch take over. And, again, Chase Claypool has done better with worse quarterbacks than that. So as long as they get their run game working out, their defense is on point as it was last year, they don't need much better than Mitch Trubisky to steal nine or ten games. Tomlin does it every year with whatever the hell he works with. The dude's a freaking magician. All right. Who is another player you think might have a big year next year? So I think you'll like this one. I think Javante Williams is set to have a pretty dang nice year. I thought he was set to have a nice year before everything else has happened. But with Patrick down and with Crackett going down as well, I'd seen a report about an injury to him. I mean, oh, you know, who else is going to help Russell Wilson more than the guy who, I, what, he almost had 900 yards last year already. So it's not like it's a far stretch to say the dude can easily put up over 1,000 and really just just be that guy that they need to get the job done so that Russ doesn't have to worry about, you know, constantly having to scramble to make those yards. He's got a guy in the backfield that he can trust to do it for him a little bit. Yeah, I mean I- – it's hard to watch Javante Williams at all and not say, wow, that's a really special running back. Uh, he, he looked good basically every time he touched the ball last year in Denver. I do think the one thing that might kind of hold him back, I do think Melvin Gordon's still going to be really heavily involved in the offense. I think it is going to be truly a two back attack um, where they both see kind of an equal share which if we're talking about like uh, this is kind of you know you know if you're talking about like fantasy football probably stay away from Javante Williams but we're not you know this wasn't intended to be a fantasy segment or anything like that I'm not saying I'm saying but I, I just wanted to point that out I yes I think he'll be good but I think there's a chance Russell Wilson doesn't allow the offense to run the ball a ton. Like part of the reason he wanted out of Seattle was the Pete Carroll offense and the insistence of being a run heavy offense. I don't know. Russ has also historically not really thrown to his running backs. Like I agree in principle, he's a really good player, but Something about the scheme and the fact Russell Wilson is the quarterback and I think the fact that Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson want to be really pass-heavy this year, or Russell Wilson does, because Nathaniel Hackett has said in training camp, basically, the offense, there was some quote out there that he basically said, the offensive pace is whatever Russ wants it to be. And to me, that says, like, oh, like, Nathaniel Hackett is not running that offense. This is not going to look a ton like Green Bay. This is going to be Russell Wilson drawing up passing plays, holding the ball forever, and trying to throw deep in the Denver atmosphere. Like that, that kind of, I don't know if that's going to be successful. Um, this episode has not been positive for how I feel about the Broncos, but, um, 
I I see your point. I I I don't know. I I'm just I I'm not sure the situation is as good as you make it out to be. I I I mean, you know, it could be tough on him, but I think that you know, running backs with Russell Wilson when he's been doing well have done well. And I mean, I know a lot of that was Pete Carroll, but Nathaniel Hackett has had some history back in Jacksonville and in Buffalo too of using a running back when he knows that his quarterback isn't getting the job done by themselves with the wide receivers they have. And a lot of times he definitely used like a lot of screens and bubbles and stuff like that to kind of get that job done. So I think even if he's not just a pure runner, I think you'll see him maybe even get some you know work out of the backfield like that although melvin gordon definitely eats into that a little bit too because that was kind of his specialty back on uh the chargers chargers yeah the chargers that sounds about right to me that um, was who drafted him also i'll stick with running back here uh i think deandre swift if he can stay healthy is going to have a big year in Detroit. And I, I just say this because the situation's good. The offensive line looks, on paper at least, looks like it's one of the best in the NFL, hands down. Jared Goff isn't going to be slinging the ball a ton, you wouldn't think. Dan Campbell's philosophy seems to be able to run the football and be a hard-nosed football team. DeAndre Swift's main problem through his first few years in the league here has been health. But if he can remain healthy this year, which, you know, I, I think he can, I think there, it's going to be a big year for DeAndre Swift, and we'll view him as a top five or six running back going into next season. I think there's a ton of upside with just the way the offenses run there and how he fits in as a pass catcher as well. I think DeAndre Swift is going to have a big year. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree with you there. Um, I mean, I, Jared Goff, I think, is coachable. And and if you, you get him in the right scheme and you get him the reads that he needs, he can make the plays that he has to make. If he breaks down at all, man, he is absolutely cooked. And so as long as they can get those run plays to work really well where they can open up the passing game a little bit and just give him some easy, nice throws – DeAndre Swift could easily turn that into some hay, like right there. Um, but it's definitely it's going to ride a lot on how Jared Goff is able to actually function within this offense. Is he going to be able to hold himself together and not, you know, throw a bunch of picks or or get caught up and, and start dialing up plays for himself? I think he was doing that at the end of last year a little bit, and it just was not what you want from a guy who just doesn't seem to have that with him, you know. Yeah, I don't know if I completely agree with that point, but I, I just, you know, I do think he's going to be a guy that has a bigger year next year. Sorry, I also think I like half zoned out for the last <laughs> second of what you said there. That was just terrible podcasting by me all along. Five hundred twenty. Mostly Jared Goff slander, man. That's all it was. I yeah, no, I yeah, I just I I agree with Jared Goff slander. So, uh, you know, I think we're on the same page. Let's do one or two more each here, and then we can we can kind of get out of here. Um, All right. Well, I would gladly be a homer on this one. Yeah, and, go ahead. Uh, uh, Gabe Davis, man. Like, I know that Stefan Diggs is ahead of him in the depth chart, but no one else is anymore. There's no one standing in his way of being the solid number two with all the weight he's put on where he's just going to 
jam CB straight off the line. He's going to be wide open so much. Two guys are always following digs around the field. Like, and Josh has mentioned more than a few different times that, you know, you just got to hit the open man. Like, I know, you know, you want to hit the guy who's the best guy on your team and worry about that. But if somebody's wide open, you just got to throw him the ball. So he's going to be open a lot. He runs some really nice routes. He's a really big frame. He's got a nice wide wingspan. He's going to come down with a whole lot of balls this year. It might not be impressive, like, receptions per game or like receiving yards, but I think he probably would be good for somewhere in the 10 to 12 touchdown range this year. Cause he's just, again, he's such a big target. It's going to be so good in the red zone. I think. Yeah. Being big in the red zone for Josh Allen is that sounds like a good kind of combination of words, Josh Allen, big red zone. Like he's going to throw to you if, if you're open in the red zone and, and he, you're going to be a big time target for Josh Allen. If you can be big and physical and dominating in the red zone where Josh Allen likes to throw up those kind of laser bolts and great floater passes uh, to the corner of the end zone, by the way, I put Josh Allen yesterday in my quarterback rankings as the number one quarterback. I just wanted to let you know that. Oh, yeah, I, you. I, I hope you still I, I hope you still give the podcast a listen. There was much debate I, between yep. me and Bradford about between Mahomes and Allen, but I do believe right now that Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the league. So uh congratulations to you for having the best quarterback in the league. It's a, it's a it's a nice feeling to to not be in absolute purgatory like we have been for decades at this point. I mean, I'm happy with top five, man. Like, I think at the end of the day, you say he's within the top three. I, I have no real super big issue where you rank him in there with like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. I think all three of them are just top tier, excellent quarterbacks who you can really rely on to win you a game, uh, but. I mean, he's got the frame, he's got the build. Like he, I think if he can put it all together for years and years to come and keep getting better in that mental game, he has that stature and that frame. He could be one of the best that's ever played just because he's got the physical tools and the mental tools to put everything together. Like, and it just doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Back back to fringe superstars. It's hard to do quarterbacks for this. I, I realized because they're already kind of superstars in their own right. But I did put two on this list. I've come around on Tua after hearing the training camp whispers and seeing the stuff out of Dolphins camp. I do believe Tua can be a good quarterback this year. How good, we don't know yet. But I do think there's a chance he can put himself in that superstar conversation if he plays well enough this year. And I think there's a chance that that happens. So he's a guy I'm definitely keeping an eye on this year as a quarterback uh, who might take a who's a fringe player that might kind of take a step forward. See, from what I've seen, I think this year we're probably going to see somewhere in the middle of the pack from him. Um, I, you know, I. Could be wrong, could be eating these words so hard by the middle of the season that they're fighting the Bills for the number one spot in the AFC East. And I'm tearing my hair out, hoping to God they lose their next game. But just from what I've seen, I feel like once it's live, that arm is not going to hold up the same way in the winter that it is going to do in the earlier season. And they got a few different winter games that they're going to be coming up. And I mean, the playoffs in general, if you've got to come up North at all for that, 
that's struggle. That is a hard, hard way to play. I mean, we watched 50 mile an hour winds and rain take Mac Jones effectively out of a game when they decided to pass three times in that crap in Buffalo. And we ain't the only place who gets it. New England gets it just as bad, too. New York occasionally gets some pretty blustery weather. I mean, if he's worked on that arm strength and if he can push the ball down and field a little harder, I think he has the potential to do it because you saw the decision making. I mean, he has that intermediate range thing pretty well down. He makes those throws really well. It's that arm strength that was really lacking for him. And maybe that was the hip injury, you know, lingering on and taking, you know, time for him to really trust it again, to be able to put that torque on it, to really drive the ball downfield. But man, everything I saw from him last year that I, I you know, remember it, it just, there was not enough juice on that ball. There needs to be more if you're going to make those downfield throws and not get picked off by a decent secondary. Yeah. Arm strength is is huge, obviously, of a quarterback position. And the weather up east, that's another really great point by you. But I'm just – he, again, is just a fascinating guy to look at this year. Uh, I mean, me the just... camp has been immaculate, so it's hard not to, to get caught up and want to see him do well, you know. He looks yeah. like he's a fun guy, too. I mean, that picture of him when he played his first NFL game – just like sitting on the turf after everyone else had left and just like looking at the stadium. Like it's hard not to love a guy like that. who's just like so into the moment and so just into what he's doing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. He's an easy guy to root for. Finally here, I'll, I'll rattle off three and think of three rapid fire in your head. What we'll do is I'll go rattle off my three. You can pick the one that interests you the most. We can talk <laughs> about them for a second. You do the same and then we can get through it. Uh, this guy, I didn't know if he counted or not. I don't know if I'd define him as top five at his position yet. He certainly had top five fantasy numbers last year. But Najee Harris, again, I, I'm high on the Steelers' offense with Kenny Pickett. Uh, you know, he's a big wide receiving weapon. Russell Gage recently added to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, had some nice moments last year in Atlanta with limited Falcons team. And then... Kyle Pitts, a guy who I was a big fan of going into last season and who I'm still a huge fan of. And I, I, I just, for a moment, let me speak on Kyle Pitts. I He'll be the guy I choose from this, this list of players. Marcus Mariota, what he did really well when he was a quarterback was throw those intermediate routes, was throw that kind of over the middle of the field stuff to the tight ends. I think Kyle Pitts could potentially have a pretty big year this year. So he'll he'll be on my list as well. I, I, I hope Kyle Pitts ascends this year. I think actually Kyle Pitts would have probably been the guy on that list that I would have picked too. I think that not only, you know, with what you said with the Mariota stuff, it is I think his opportunity is just there. I mean, who else is he going to throw to on that team? Kyle Pitts really, I think, is the guy who who is going to be making a lot of hay on that. And we've seen it from a number of different teams. That tight end spot really can do a lot of work, and it can get you a lot of yardage and a lot of good, solid effort out of it. And, and so I don't see any reason why he wouldn't absolutely be a stud this year. I think that that's going to be a really good fit for him. And, I mean, I don't know if Mariota is going to do a lot as far as putting them in the win category, but I think he'll definitely get the yards that, you know, you'd want to see out of somebody who you think is, is an ascending player. Yeah. Uh, I, I just really like the tools he has. And I, I think he's a big bodied wide receiver, more or less. 
that's kind of how they play him. That is going to be a big part of the Falcons. The Falcons offense is also really limited in who they have. And I think Drake London and Kyle Pitts are going to get a lot of action thrown their way because there's just not much else there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We'll do our NFC South uh, podcast when I get back from vacation, hopefully. Uh, we will, may try to record the AFC South later this week while I am back East. But your final, uh, a group of three guys here that you might want to throw in just last second, but you, you think might fit into this category. So I did uh, drink a little bit of the Kool-Aid you were drinking of when it came to quarterbacks. I did put one on my list as well with Trey Lance. Um, oh, okay. Because I think he has, has a real opportunity to really, I mean, Kevin Shanahan has made studs out of a whole mess of people. And if he gets the opportunity in the full season to actually do it, I think he really has a whole whole lot of uh, field ahead of him to to, to really, uh, you know, make a name for himself. Uh, I think Tony Pollard is another name that I find really interesting that I think could really push for a huge role in Dallas um, and, and really get a whole lot of uh, of yardage work. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, he's obviously still sharing the backfield with, but I mean, they really relied on Tony Pollard a lot last year too. So I think he really can step up and make a big difference there. And then uh, last guy I got, uh, again, I guess I went quarterback again. I think Justin Fields, has a little bit of an opportunity to to maybe step up and really be big. I mean, that that running and throwing, when you are a quarterback who can run and throw and you can do both at at least a decently proficient level, you put so much pressure onto opposing defenses, it feels like. And you have so much opportunity to be at least a top 15 quarterback. And at the end of the day, with so many of these teams, I don't think you need much more than top 15 to really get yourself over the hump. That don't mind really does stand pretty true, you know, around the NFL guys talk about where as long as you've got above that, I think you've really got a chance in this league to to get deep in the playoffs and do what you're doing. So, you know, those are my three guys that I, I was also thinking about. Yeah, I think Trey Lance is interesting. Uh, I, I'm a little bit lower on him just because the throwing stuff kind of, worries me a little bit but you know we'll 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 see how that ends up panning out but a, a good conversation there we covered a lot of different players on a lot of different teams and that was that was good well mason thank you so much for joining us once again it was always it is always fun chatting with you thanks again for having me again it's just a lot of fun dude yeah no worries and we will get you back on soon i promise uh, we will have more action. I'm trying to start to figure out. I got to get, I'm not going to have a schedule for this podcast during the regular season until I get a week into my work schedule, just because, uh, which is nice too, because college football, which is what I work in, starts early. So I have two or three weeks to kind of get ready and see what the schedule looks like. So I will know by late August what, what, what we're going to kind of look like in the fall, but you are definitely coming back on my friend and, and it'll be a good time. So thank you for listening. Everybody give a follow to at end zone pod on Twitter. You can follow me online at Eric 18 Utah at Eric Jensen sport. Look out for the quarterback 
episode coming out tomorrow morning should be a lot of fun i've scheduled it to come out at about 9 a.m mountain time so 11 eastern check that out anyhow with that all being said i believe we can bet out of here for the day thank you again mason for tagging along and thank you listeners for 520 episodes we will see you all next week enjoy the plethora of episodes in your podcast feed check out the nfc east nfc north this show and the quarterback show check them all out and we will see you next week peace out